Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Welcome to Exploring Missions, connecting mission needs with those equipped by God to meet those needs across the world or across town. And now the host of Exploring Missions, Bert Harper. One of the most difficult things that's taking place in the United States today is dying churches and plateauing churches. And uh, that's why the church planting ministry is so important. Nathan Harper is our co-host. Nathan, anything that's living is usually born, lives, and dies. But a church is supposed to be, a local church is supposed to be alive. So would that life cycle fit them possibly? I think there is something to that. I don't think anybody, an individual or outside group looking at a local church can can dictate what that period of time is and how and when it should it should occur. I do think we can say at least one thing with certainty in reading the scriptures and understanding how God's kingdom works and how he what he expects of his church. I believe every local church should at least reproduce itself. Yes. Uh, churches should plant churches. Disciples should make disciples. There should be a reproducing happening, a multiplication even happening. Unfortunately, what the numbers that bear out show that if a church hasn't planted another church in the first five or ten years of its own life, I mean, it probably won't ever do it. And so no matter how successful or big or large or notorious, you know, in a good way that uh, a church might be, and even doing really great and good ministry, if a church doesn't have a – has on its radar and, and on its – agenda and have a desire to plant other churches, sending out workers into the harvest field to multiply disciples, then are, are they missing what God has in, in store for a, a New Testament church? I think so. I mean, that's me. I, you know, you might disagree, but. No, I, I agree fully. If you're not reproducing uh, yourself, that's what Jesus did. He called those 12 men to walk with him. And he spent approximately three years with them. Different, uh, you know, they were called at different stages of of the ministry. Some had more time than others, but he was getting them equipped to go into all the world and do what? Reproduce the works. He said, "The things that I've done through the power of the Holy Spirit, you're going to do greater yeah. things." Yeah. That is even a amplified reproduction of what Christ did. Yeah, and so I, I really do believe that. But a local body continues to live if it has planted churches and that local body of believers, they don't, but they still reproduce themselves elsewhere. Yeah, and, and it's there are churches who do that well. There are churches who, unfortunately, we, you could say almost kind of take shortcuts in doing that. And there are some churches, unfortunately, that that's they're just barely trying to stay alive themselves, you know. Mm-hmm, right. They're struggling with, and there could be a lot of things. Some of it might be sin, some of it might be circumstances around them, and 
it's hard to, you know, the, the saying, hard to teach an, teach an old dog new tricks. It's hard for an older church that's on that's plateaued or maybe dying, if you want to say that. It's hard. It's hard. It's a hard to turn turn that thing around. You know, I'm I'm familiar with some churches that they knew they were that way, and they the neighborhood had changed, and they were trying to change with that neighborhood to reach the ethnic group that may have come in right, or yeah. and in place just staying there and hoping that the old members who have moved away will drive back in. What a opportunity to make a transition. And yeah. what you're going to hear is today on the interview is a church who was basically dying and uh, all but dead and there was this ministry that saw the opportunity to give them a ministry to for them to get behind, and it was going to take some sacrifice yeah. on their part. Yeah. You have to sacrifice space, money, time. Mm-hmm. You you don't change by keeping doing the same thing. Now, we're not changing the gospel. That's not what we're talking yeah. about. But we're talking about a community that is in a transition change, mm-hmm. a community that has changed over. I think of the church at Philippi, real quick, Nathan. Paul, when he went to Philippi, it was different than any other city that he went to. He would always go to the synagogue, local synagogue. Guess what? They didn't have one. Yeah. They didn't have the 10 men, Jewish men, that would establish, be able to establish a local synagogue. So he went to the I call it the creek bank, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. River. Lydia was there. They didn't have a man later. They had a female later. Different than anything else Paul yeah. did. But did he write them off just because it was different and, and difficult? No, he he did some out-of-the-box things, he did. and he was willing to. And I think that's one of the things it, it requires for a, if you want to call it church revitalization, to see a dying or stagnant plateaued church. We're not talking about church growth. We're, we're talking about church life, you know? That's what we're talking about. And I think, G, first of all, we need to understand Jesus wants that. Jesus wants his body to be fully functioning and healthy and a, a light in the darkness, a light of the kingdom, uh, you know, shining his light into the darkness. And so I think there's two things there that, it, that it requires. This is just me thinking off the top of my head, but I, I really think, one, there should be like two sorts of recommitments, if you will. One, that we need to have a the church needs to have a recommitment to Jesus and all that entails. Whether, return to your first love? Yeah, return to your first love. The, the letter written to the church in Ephesus in Revelation chapter 2. Remember where it was and and repent from where you are to, to go back and not, not into the glory days, not to doing the same things you used to do. Return to your first love. And 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 so there should be a repentance of sin. There should be a, a recommitment to Jesus Christ and to proclaim his gospel. So that's, that's, that's number one. Number two, there should be a recommitment to the community around you. That's that right. community might have changed, and it might be totally different than what you look like now. And you might be afraid of it, or you might, you might have a recommitment to the community, but you don't know how to go about reaching it. Well, if you have those two things, a, a, a strong commitment to Christ and a strong commitment to your community and the people around you who need to know Christ, I think Christ himself will lead you and show you what you should do. And it might be something way out of the box, 
and a little bit crazy, or it might be something different like, like Paul did in Philippi. But I think if you have those two commitments, I think you're going to get back on the right track. We're not talking about cheapening the gospel. We're not talking about that at all. We're talking about loving Jesus, loving his word, holding his word, but looking under the fields that are white to harvest and pray and send forth laborers that he would send forth laborers into that harvest. And that harvest is the people that surround you. Yeah. So that church, you're struggling, might be opportunity to look to see around you and return to your first love. Listen to this interview, how God revitalized a church. It's so refreshing to find out God's working. And when you find out where God is working, you want to share that good news and spread it so others can get in on it as well. And again, we thank you. Our guest today is Devin Davin Davin Ward and Lexi Hawkham. Hello. And they're from Conway, Arkansas? Yes, sir. Uh, Okay. That's north of Little Rock, am I right? It's just a little bit north and west of Little Rock. Northwest About 20, 30 minutes out of Little Rock. Okay. Those of us that take Interstate 40? You can get off right there at right the Conway, there, Conway. exit. That's you can where you come are. and see us. Okay. And Interstate 40 is a well-traveled interstate, yes, by the way. Absolutely. And uh, so we have people that are truckers, and they're on Interstate 40, and they get all the radio stations at American Family Radio so yes. they can switch and go and listen most of the way. That's so awesome. So it is. That it is. is cool. It is good to have you, and we want to talk about the ministry that God has opened up and increased in your lives and the difference that it's making. It's called the Harbor Home for Women. Yes. And Dana, tell us about that. Well, the Harbor Home for Women is truly a house of miracles on so many levels. First of all, God took a a pastor and myself. He had been a minister for over 30 years in Northeast Arkansas. He had gone through a very painful divorce and come back to Conway, where he had started the church over 30 years before. And he found himself wondering what God was doing with him. And uh, he came back to to, uh, about 13, I think on a good Sunday. They had it maybe in the 20s. But there were 13 faithful members there every time the doors were open. And they began praying about what they could do. They had tried many things to grow their church. Uh, they had tried all kinds of outreaches to bring in young people. But they, they couldn't understand why nothing had worked. And so when I came into the picture, I had a prison ministry. And I came to simply share about my prison ministry and, and shared. I had met the pastor, and he and I had become good friends. And Uh, We began sharing our hearts. He had a heart for people coming out of addiction because in the larger church that he had pastored in Northeast Arkansas, he had a very successful Celebrate Recovery. And he said, you know, there's nothing like people who have come out of drug and alcohol addiction and have been set free through the power of Jesus because they are so excited about Christ. And he said, you know, if I'm going to stay in the ministry, that's the kind of people I want to work with. And so the fact that I had been in the prison And I had heard their stories of these women in prison from every walk of life. And I was so shocked at uh, at the women that I found there. And I kept praying at night and saying, Lord, they don't need to be in prison. There needs to be a place that they can either come out of prison and and really almost a boot camp to learn about the love, the power, the the freedom and deliverance that comes through a relationship with Jesus. I knew that there was something more that I was supposed to do than go into prison. And when God began to knit Pastor Larry Ward's heart and my heart together, and then these 13 people unselfishly, all over the age of 70, 
some on walkers and with canes and 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 you know they were praying god what can we do to leave a legacy we don't want to close our doors and so the day that they voted unanimously to allow us to turn their fellowship hall and their Sunday school rooms into a beautiful, cozy, warm, and loving home for women coming out of drug and alcohol addiction and out of prison. I knew that that was meant to sell my business and my home in North Little Rock and move to Conway. And Pastor Larry Ward and I got married for this mission. And Now, which came first? <laughs> <laughs> well, the opportunity came first. Okay. We married, yeah. but in the meantime, uh, we're we're praying. We've never never been addicted. We didn't know a lot about drug addiction. We just knew Jesus was the answer, and God connected us with an amazing woman named Laurelise Hodges. She's now Laurelise Shattuck. She had been a meth addict. Okay. And I had been praying that God would send me someone to go into prison with me that had been where those women had been. Had, had been a meth addict. Had been a you know meth that, addict. You know that unusual quote yes. by the world standards. They say, after you get on meth, you're oh, on it. No. But God delivers, but God, doesn't he? He, Amen. he had delivered her gloriously. And the amazing thing is she had an opportunity to work as a leader in another ministry where she'd been working. And before she ever met, me and Pastor Larry, she literally had stepped out in faith to leave that place knowing that God was taking her into the unknown. And not long after that, we met her connected. I think Larry had actually known her years earlier. And we met and she began to share her heart with me that she wanted to be like Miss Liz was for her, the lady that helped her find freedom in Christ. And we knew that this was a divine appointment. Right. And one of my women that had come out of my prison ministry was looking for a way to get to Conway to reunite with her children. She came on board to be our, our uh, house mother. So one of the women coming out of prison, a former meth addict, a pastor that was devastated through circumstances that in his sounds, life. That sounds like the church at Philippi. Uh, yes. A Lydia businesswoman, wow. a former jailer, and a girl that had, had been delivered from demons. Yes. Uh, that sounds like what you guys had. Y'all were right. a collection, weren't you? Listen, a broken mess of yeah. people that God had been, had delivered and redeemed. And I had been married to a man that had become addicted to opioids after a major surgery. And he ended up leaving the home and basically gained gambling away most of everything we had. And so I found myself, I still had my house and my business, but God just had begun to change my heart. I didn't want to build that business again. I didn't want to rebuild. I didn't want to keep going in the same direction. I thought, you know, Lord, I want to leave a legacy. I was in my late fifties and I wanted to do something to leave a mark. I wanted to win souls. And when God connected me with Pastor Larry Ward and the people of Servants Chapel, General Baptist Church, which is now known as the Harbor ministry and houses the harbor home and so now after we're, we're f uh, fourth year of taking women 81 women have gone through our program how many 81 81 uh, of those that have graduated we have i believe an 84 percent success rate of staying clean and even those that have left the program and didn't finish if you count them in staying clean we have an 87 percent success rate Amen. which is unheard of unheard unheard of and it's yes. because of jesus yes it's because the problem isn't the drugs or the alcohol the problem is the pain and the heartache the unforgiveness uh the things they've not been healed from and so now we are part of a network called WeCan. 
and it is a network of Christ-centered, faith-based restoration homes that are popping up all across the state of Arkansas. And now, because of the example of the people of Servants Chapel uh, giving their property so lovingly, there are other churches that are doing the same. And these are popping up in abandoned school buildings, in churches. And we are going across the country. We have teamed up with a man called William Owens, who's biking across America to Washington, D.C., to say that Jesus is the answer to the opioid crisis and that faith-based recovery homes are needed. And perhaps you're out there today and you have a small church or you have a building. And wondering what are you going to do with it? And you don't want it to become a funeral home. You don't want it to close. You want to leave a legacy. And the people of Servants Chapel would go on this radio program, every one of them that voted for this, and they would say it is the best decision we ever (laughs) made. The women that come to us are mothers. And one of the exciting things is there are children everywhere. These children are getting their mothers back. Parents are getting their daughters back. And it's one of the most amazing things that has a ripple effect. And today I've brought with me one of, I call her a fruit, fruit that remains. And Jesus told us to go out and bear fruit. And this ministry is one of the most fruit-bearing ministries you can ever be a part of. Because when people are set free from the darkness of addiction, they are bright light shining for others to see. Free indeed. Free indeed. And Lexi Holcomb, who's with me today, is not only free indeed, but she is now using her freedom to go out and to speak and to reach the millennials and to really bring the message that it is cool to be clean. And, and I want her to share. She's now on staff at the Harbor Home. She's our phase two program director. She's making such a difference. And I believe that God has a great, great plans for Lexi Holcomb. Cool to be clean. Lexi, is it cool to be clean? Um, yes, sir, it is, actually. Well, tell us, tell us your story. Right, so um, my name is Lexi, and I'm 24 years old. I was born and raised in Arkansas. I'm just a regular hillbilly out there, and really at 16, my life broke in half whenever we lost my father to cancer. And at that point, everything just sort of became blurry for me. I guess it was out of my brokenness that I just started to rebel and, and try anything that I could get my hands on. Um, the world told me that that's that that's what you do you know and um, I had no sense of Jesus or the cross all I knew about the whole God stuff was that Jesus died on a cross and some dude got swallowed by a whale I mean that was all that I knew and um, you know just continued to go through that process of just brokenness and desperation and really broken dreams you know I went to college I had a full ride scholarship at Arkansas State and lost everything just within a few years and I often say that I wasn't arrested, but I was rescued, and I believe that the Lord began to break me down through the legal system. I got kicked out of my sorority. I got kicked out of x-ray school. I essentially got suspended from the university and and was left with nothing, just a bunch of broken dreams and, and just grievances. So I ended up being with my mother and got arrested one last time. I was looking at a year in prison at 20 years old and uh, just completely humiliated and covered with shame of what my life had become you know four years yes sir 16 to 20 yes sir it's crazy Um, you know I sat in school assemblies when I was in elementary school junior high during red ribbon week hearing about addiction thinking to myself you know that could never happen to me I thought that I was above that meanwhile a few years later I was sitting in my dorm room becoming one becoming an addict not knowing not not understanding 
And um, I found myself in a place of, of no other options. And I was still defiant. And uh, my mother heard about the Harbor Home for Women. And, you know, I had been in and out of secular rehab. I had been in and out of behavioral health. I'm actually a two-time suicide survivor. Um, I was on all of these different medications. I was just, I was disgusted with myself, to be honest. And, you know, she heard about the Harbor Home, and she heard that it was faith-based. And all I knew was that my mom was about to drop me off at a church. <laughs> And what happened next was crazy, you know, just even talking about it now, two and a half years later, you know, I showed up in the back of this church and, and um, within a month after I'd gone through withdrawals and just everything had gotten out of my system, I was actually withdrawing off of fentanyl at the time and I encountered the living God in a way that has marked my life forever. You know, he ended up being everything that I ever sought for my whole life, you know, in every relationship, in any boyfriend, in any party, in any sort of degree, um, in any sort of relationship, prosperity, success. And he just surpassed all of that and became all of that for me. And there was this relationship that formed that just shifted the dynamic of my life. Relationship, not religion. Yes, sir. It that's was a relationship. Right. That's right. Amen. And that relationship has changed your life? It, it really has. Amen. How about your mom today? Yes. Y'all's relationship okay? Yes, absolutely. Oh, my goodness. Aren't you, know, you glad she, she brought you there? I'm very, very glad, very thankful for my mama. And, you know, we, we all went through our difficulties as far as losing my dad. My mother was widowed at a very, very early age. And, you know, it's just incredible how things have shifted over the last couple of years and, and how the Lord has just invaded our life, to be right. honest. It's as if he hijacked my life yes. without me signing anything and giving him permission. <laughs> I often say that, that it's as if he kidnapped me from my life, you know, yeah. picked me up from the nap of my neck and just put me in the right place. And this obstacle that I saw as just this person, this Lexi that I didn't want to be, that obstacle became an opportunity to encounter the Lord. And I always say that something beautiful always happens when God becomes your only option. Amen. Well, I want to ask you, when you were arrested and you had a year of prison looking at it, did they give you this as an alternative? Did they say, okay, go to prison or get some rehab? Was that part of the part of the deal? Oftentimes women are court ordered to programs such as ours, but in my position, I got court, I basically got court ordered from my mama. She okay. said, you're going to, you got to go somewhere and this is where you're going to go. So. Praise the Lord for some of those judges that That's right. know what happens in prison. And again, sometimes lives are changed. But the greater percentage of those on drugs go into a home where they're loved and That's cared right. for and told the truth about That's themselves, right. about what drugs do, and Christ and his power. That's the right. 87%. Yes, sir. Success rate? Yes. Uh, that's higher than my grade point average in high school. <laughs> right. Okay. Uh, you guys did good. Only God. Only you know, God. It really is about allowing them the opportunities to experience the living Christ. And it is through his power. And, you know, God takes inadequate people who aren't qualified and he brings them into positions to allow them to be able to simply share him. Uh, that It's not complicated. And, you know, Lexi, and, and just hearing her tears, I can't tell you what it means to all of us who've poured our life into this mission in various ways to, to see the fruit that's born from this. And if there's anyone out there that is looking for a way to make a difference, looking for a way for their church to leave a legacy, you know, I really do believe that now our mission and mandate and one of my main 
priorities is to spread the word that this is possible, that these are popping up everywhere. Churches are closing yes. by the hundreds, and they, they, and, yes. and they can leave a legacy. How can they contact? What, what difference? Can, can they contact you Absolutely. guys and y'all make it start happening, give them the information? Absolutely. How we can they do that? How can that. they do that? Okay, they can reach the Harbor Home at, at 501-499-8622 and ask for Dana. Okay. Or, and, we'll, and we'll give that again in just a okay. moment. Okay. Uh, they can also ask for Pastor Larry Ward or Dana Davin Ward. We'll be glad to talk with them, give them any information and advice. They can also go to our website to check out The Harbor Home at www.theharborhome.com. Theharborhome.com. Lori Case? Yes, and we have a Facebook page, and it's The Harbor Home. And I want to say this. When you remember our name, I want you to remember Harbor Home. Home. It is not Harbor House, and there's a big reason why we, we made that decision. Because we knew when we opened this place, we did not want them coming in as addicts. We wanted them coming in as a family member. Yes. And so when they come into the Harbor Home for Women, we consider them family immediately. We treat them as such. And we wanted this to be a place that while they're with us that, you know, we're six to seven months, phase one, and then phases two and three, they're with us for about a year. Yes. uh, When they go through the entire process, we wanted them to know that they're home. And we wanted them to feel that. Give the number in a minute, but wait just a minute. Did you feel at home with how many hours or days did you know you were to, at, at a home that oh, yes. loved you and cared for you after you arrived? After your mother dropped you off, right. how long did it take? Right. Um, I would say it probably took a couple of months, probably. But um, it was a perfect process, of course. But it's so interesting, just like how God allowed me to discover my my other family. Yes. You know, and, and how and how they became, you know, my spiritual family yes. and what that looked like. So I'm very thankful for that. Amen. Give that number again. What we're doing, churches out there, you, you're down to 13 members or whatever, and they're all gray-haired. Not premature, but they're old, <coughs> like me, <laughs> like me, and they're wondering what they're going to do, sell what they're going to do. Yes. They can leave a legacy by, yes. by saying, hey, there's something, there's a difference that we can make now and in the future. And that phone call to the Harbor Home is? It's 501-499-8622. That's 501-499-8622. And, Bert, can I say one more thing to those people out there? Maybe you're having the thoughts, is this safe? Is it not dangerous? Let me tell you, we have not had one incident. Not one place that has done this has had one incident because these girls are in a place where they're drug tested. They're actually, I mean, we, we, this, this is not a dangerous assignment. This is one of the most fruit-bearing, glorious things you could ever do. If you want to revitalize your church, if you want to see children running up and down the aisles and, and, and love filling those pews again and those hearts, then I just want to encourage you to contact us and find out how you can birth a new vision and a new mission in your church or any any empty building that you might have out there. That and can, not only puts life 
into the church building, but it puts life into people over the age of 70. That's <laughs> yes. a good deal. That's a Amen. double, that's a double good deal. Thank you, Dana. Thank you, Lexi. Thank you, Bert. You've been listening to Exploring Missions here at the Anaheim Convention Center at National Religious Broadcasters Meeting. And it's been a joy to be with you and sharing with you. And then remember, when you're on mission for God, it may be down the street or around the world. Thank you.